Well, we got a special treat today. We got one of the sons of the house here, one of my favorite Koreans in the world. Um, he is our pastor of missions, and God has used him first service to speak a powerful message. So I pray that you open your hearts and get ready to go deeper in worship as you hear the word of God from our pastor, Michael Cho. Let's welcome him, y'all. Hallelujah. Real quick, I feel like the Lord wants to do this. Um, I heard a testimony on Friday. One of my friends, um, her legs were unevenly grown out. And I witnessed last year in Indonesia someone who had back pains, um, and her legs were also uneven. And I remember praying for it and watching in front of my eyes the leg grow out. Well, I heard a testimony this last Friday of one of my friends. Her leg was crooked, and I'm, I'm guessing it led to back problems or walking problems. They prayed for her. There was witnesses, and they said literally the leg grew out, and she was able to walk normally after that. Isn't that powerful? Right now, I feel like before I even start, I just want, is, is anyone having trouble with back pains or trouble walking? If that's you, um, I want us to pray for you. If that's you, stand up right now, and um, whoever's around those people, I want you to pray for them in faith that God's going to heal them. Amen? So right now, come on in faith. If you're around them, I want you to engage in praying for them. God, right now, we release your healing power. God, we release your healing power, God. Lord, testimony means that you are going to do it again. What you have done in the past, what you have been known to do, you will do it again. So right now, we release your healing power in Jesus' name. Lord, any back pain, God, any walking problems, God, we release your healing power in the name of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. We pray that you would heal them. We thank you that you are God of healing. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. How do you guys feel? Do you guys feel any different? Is there anything going on? You in the purple shirt. Uh, I feel, I don't know, I just felt like there's something moving. You felt something tingly, perhaps? Amen. That's the Holy Spirit moving inside of you, brother. Does your back feel any better? Oh, it wasn't my back. It was my my ankle. Oh, does your ankle feel any better? (laughs) Test it out. I have to run, but I'm not hurt. It feels better, does it? Yeah, it's not hurting. It's not hurting? I haven't went running right now, so. Okay. Okay, we could test it out after service. You could run around the block. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is the God who heals. Amen. When Pastor Benjamin asked me to preach on Thursday, I was very worried about this session. You know why? Because there's 49ers fans out there yeah. that are glaring at me, waiting me, waiting for me to end and not go too long. But you know what? Today I want to talk about extravagant worshipers. I want us to open up to Luke chapter 7. If you get there, say hallelujah. I mean, that's blasphemous. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to read it for us. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. In John chapter 12, it goes on to say, They say, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth the year's wages. Going back to Luke chapter 7, it goes on to say, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? 
I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. You are in our midst. Jesus, you are in our midst. And right now, we pray that we would learn from this woman who, the world, who society called sinful. We would learn from her the art and the beauty of wastefulness, God. Of giving all that we are to worship you, God. And right now, I feel you are calling forth extravagant worshipers in this house, God. Men and women, sons and daughters, who will lay everything at your feet. Who will waste all that they are, all that they have at your feet. And right now, stir our spirit. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts right now. Move in our hearts right now. Move in our hearts, Lord, to stir this deep affection, the deep um, conviction and the zeal this woman had as she approached Jesus. I pray that we would have the same. We love you, Lord, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Extravagance. I'm going to define it for you because I Googled it. (laughs) Extravagance is lack of restraint in spending or using of resources. An instance of excess wastefulness. When something is extravagant, it exceeds reasonable bounds. It's given to lavish. It's extremely abundant, straying beyond limits, unreasonably high. Basically, in the Urban Dictionary, it's stupid. It's dumb. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. Extravagance goes beyond the bounds of uh, logic and reason. It goes to another level. Extravagance goes beyond. And you know, I think it's appropriate that we're preaching this message today because I've never seen a greater demonstration of extravagance than in the world of sports. You feel me? And today is the culmination of people all around the United States extravagantly cheering for their team, extravagantly spending money to have the best Super Bowl parties, extravagantly giving all that they are for the Super Bowl. And I think it's appropriate that today we're going to talk about what it means to extravagantly give all that we have to God. Let me give you some examples. Right now, all throughout the United States, there are extravagant worshipers getting ready. Because in the next few hours, they're going to paint their bodies different colors they're gonna they're gonna write their sports team half red half gold half whatever color they're gonna lavish them they're gonna paint themselves and get ready there's people all around the world right now who are showing off their tattoos of their favorite teams or their favorite players right now all around the united states there's people getting ready to lose their voice go dumb go crazy for the 49ers or the ravens there's people all around the united states who are shaving their heads saying ah i'm going crazy for my team there's even some all around the United States who are having and making some babies and planning on naming those babies after the favorite team player. I have seen it. This year, there's going to be a lot of Collins born. I guarantee it. Oh, right there. Hallelujah. Right now, there's a, a, an army of extravagant worshipers getting ready. <laughs> You know, I read this article and it says psychologists have tried for years to explain the giddiness that overwhelms a community when a local sports team excels. 
Allegiance to a red-hot sports team answers no demand for logic. It does not make sense. And right now, there's people all around the states literally getting ready to waste themselves. <laughs> literally getting ready to give all that they have for this event. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. I live with the fanatic. His name is Pastor Daniel Kim. He's an avid 49ers fan. I'm not as into football as he is, but let me tell you, when I'm watching a game with him, it's, he's a different beast. He's a different kind of animal. I mean, I'm like watching and I'm like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, you made that run. Go, oh, you made a touchdown? Yeah. But him, when they make a touchdown, he's like, yeah! When they drop a ball in front, they're like, what? What? What was he thinking? He's into it. He's giving all that he has. Now, thank God, when Daniel worships, I know he worships greater than that. But I'm saying it's okay. It's okay to... To be involved, be engaged, give all that you are towards sports or, or relationships. It's, it's okay to give parts of yourself. But what I'm saying is if your worship or your extravagance towards sports or people or things is less or is higher than your extravagance towards God, there is a problem. And what I find is our nation, we love to pour extravagance on meaningless things, on sports. You know, I was watching YouTube clips of Justin Bieber concert. I don't know why. Well, okay, I love Justin Bieber. I'm, I'm believing Justin Bieber is going to get saved. He has strong spiritual roots. But anyway, I was watching these clips, and there's these teenage girls who are weeping in his presence. They're weeping. They're falling. I mean, this story could have been about Justin Bieber in this point of view. These girls are weeping. They probably could have washed Justin Bieber's feet with their tears. People are going crazy. Michael Jackson, I watched some of his concert clips. People are like, they're convulsing. They're doing what we do in church. They're out worshiping us, worshiping idols. The church needs to take its stance and rise up to the standard of worship God deserves. God is calling forth extravagant worshipers. There's something about extravagance that goes beyond logic, beyond reason, beyond explanation or convenience. God is calling forth extravagant worshipers to display his glory. Hallelujah. Now, I love this story. We can learn a lot from the story. Number one, they say this woman was a woman who lived a sinful life. Ooh, scandalous. I love scandalous stories. I don't know what, that was, I, don't know what I just did right there, but <laughs> it, it's supposed to convey scandalousness. This woman lived a sinful life. It's assumed that she was probably sexually promiscuous, sexually immoral. Some even theorize that she was a prostitute, a whore. The, the bottom point is society looked down on her. Now, the first thing I noticed in this passage is that Jesus, who was he eating with? He was eating with the Pharisees. I'd imagine, okay, and I'm just, I'm just imagining, but I'd imagine that these Pharisees are the very same people who labeled her a sinful woman. These Pharisees were at the forefront of condemning, judging her, saying, you're a woman who lives a sinful life. These were the army of people who were spreading voices, saying, this is a sinful woman. And so for this woman to come in the midst of Jesus eating with the Pharisees, how much courage must she have had? How much love must have overtaken her actions for her, her to go in? I'll give you an example. When I was younger, there was something really wrong with me this one night. 
I don't know what I was thinking. The spirit of stupid must have come over me. But Koreans, we like to gather our families, like four or five families, and have little worship and Bible study. And I remember we had such a gathering. I was eight years old, and there was about five other kids, four of them boys, one of them a girl. And for some reason that night, I was like, you know what? We're going to make a boys-only club. And so there was four boys and one girl. And so we made this big sign that says, boys only, girls not allowed, girls suck. I remember I wrote, girls suck. And I remember I plastered it on my door. And my, my friend who was a girl was in the other room with another guy. And so I called the guy over. I was like, hey, come on, come in the room. And he ran past me. And as the girl was running towards me, I remember I went, bam, right in her face. I mean, no, I didn't hit her. But, but the, the sign was plastered right in her face. And I remember she ran away crying to her mom. Seconds later, my parents came in the room and they rebuked me. You know, Koreans like to get down in their disciplining, but they didn't want to embarrass themselves or me in front of everyone, so they said, you're going to get it later. And I was like, oh, but I remember after doing that, I remember it was time for worship, and usually they gather the parents and the children. I remember walking into the room full of adults, and I remember all the adults' eyes, all the parents' eyes, just glaring through my soul. They were like cyclops. I mean, they were shooting laser beams into me. I never felt such shame as a young kid. I remember walking in, I was like, oh my God. And I just held my head down. And then it was time for worship. And I couldn't even worship because I felt so ashamed. I felt everyone was judging and condemning me. Imagine how this woman felt. The whole town knew her business. These Pharisees were leading a a, a campaign to say, this woman is a sinful woman. But she goes in the midst of them anyway. And she decides to worship Jesus. How much courage must it have taken? You know, most of us have a hard time worshiping in a room full of believers. Uh-oh. Can I be real? I mean, this is supposed to be the easiest place to worship. Because we're all looking this way towards God. This woman, all eyes were on her. All eyes were judging her. But here in this place, it's supposed to be easy. But some of us believers have a hard time worshiping God, even amongst believers. Here's a newsflash. No one's watching you. No one's watching you. Unless maybe you're a great, phenomenal dancer like I am. But no one's watching you. Here's the key. This woman understood something. She understood that worship, it wasn't about her. I mean, this is a simple truth. We all know. Worship is not about me. Worship wasn't about them. It was about God. Listen, the foundation for extravagant worship is he is worthy. That's the foundation of our worship is that God is worthy. God deserves nothing less than extravagant, wholehearted worship. God deserves nothing less than all that we have to give him. He is worthy of our worship. I mean, even today, just hearing the testimonies, is our God not worthy of our praise, of our adoration, of our wastefulness, of all that God does? You know, a couple weeks ago, God healed uh, one of Pastor Sonny's family members of cancer. God is worthy of our praise and our worship and our adoration. He is worthy of it all. And listen, there's nothing worse than half-hearted worship. I have a story to tell. I'm not going to call anyone out this time. But in college, uh, during Valentine's Day, we, us brothers, we all chose a sister. And we wanted to appreciate them and let them know that they're precious daughters of God. It was good, right? 
And so, you know, I did my thing. I did something really good. Like, I dressed up like, I knew this girl like Pokemon, so I dressed up like a Pokemon and came in front of her class and sang for her. Um, but we all did our thing. But um, everyone got chosen except this one guy. He didn't have anyone. And so we're like, we pushed it. We kind of forced him, said, all right, you go, you go appreciate her. And so he's like, reluctantly, he's like, okay. And then so he's like, I don't know what to do, guys. Like, it's Valentine's Day. It's, our, it's already time. I don't know what to do. And so we're like, okay, we'll give you an idea. All right, you lay a blanket down on the floor, and you have her sit down there, and you bring out your guitar, and you start singing, I can show you the world. <laughs> and then halfway through, she'll be so moved that you give her the opportunity to sing the rest of the part. And so he started doing this. But the sad thing was, it's kind of like peer, I, felt, I feel bad now. We kind of peer pressured him to do it. We were all surrounding. And we are like, come on, Daniel, do it. Do it. Oh. And so Daniel, oh. Uh, different Daniel. <laughs> Pastor Daniel Kim, yes. But I remember he started doing it. <laughs> and because we forced him, I mean, it wasn't from the deepest depths of his heart. He was kind of doing it because we pressured him into it. And the girl, she picked it up. And so when it was time for her to sing, she's like, uh, no. <laughs> and I felt so bad. For, I'm so sorry, Daniel. I, didn't mean, I called him out first service and I said I wouldn't do it again. I was Freudian slip. But anyway, um... <laughs> The point is, no one likes half-hearted worship. No one likes half-hearted adoration or honor. God is deserving of a whole-hearted worship. He's deserving of it all. We have to take the eye out of worship. It's not warriorship. It's worship. Okay, that joke fell flat the other time, too. Here's the thing. The church as, as a whole, what I find is we've made the foundation of our worship our convenience. We've made the foundation of our worship how we're feeling. We've made the foundation of our worship, hey, they're not singing the kind of songs I like. They're not building up the way I like. There's no piano today? What? You know, we've made the foundation of our worship based on us. We focused worship on us. And here's the truth. When we feel unworthy enough to worship, when we feel distracted to worship, when we feel like we can't engage into worship and we choose not to, we have officially set our eyes off of our object of worship and placed them back on ourselves. Wow. And God isn't worthy of that. I mean, how many times have you come to church and you just don't feel like worshiping? You know what I mean? You know, you don't feel the affection for the Lord. I mean, there's moments where I'm, I'm like... But there's moments where I don't feel, I don't feel it. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like giving my all. I don't feel like I can in this moment. Or maybe we're going through something heavy and it's weighing down our hearts and we're saying, I, God, I can't worship you right now. But you know what's funny? 100% of the things we feel like hinder us from worship would actually be dissolved if we just started worshiping. God is deserving of our worship. The foundation of our worship must be that he is worthy. Not how we're feeling, not how we're doing, not what's around us. This woman didn't wait for the magic moment to lavish Jesus with praise. She could have easily waited for Jesus to finish his dinner and catch him in a corner when no one else is looking. No one else is there to judge her. But she was so overtaken with love. 
She was so overtaken at the sight of Jesus and said, this man is worthy. This is the most beautiful man I've ever seen. I'm going to go worship him right now. She didn't wait for a magic moment. She was moved at the sight of Jesus. Extravagant worship begins with a choice. We have to make a choice. God, I'm going to worship you. Despite what I'm feeling, I'm going to worship you. Despite what I'm going through, I'm going to worship you. Extravagant worship begins with a choice. It's making a decision that no matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to worship God. Listen, I went to, uh, with Daniel to a church up north one time. And, you know, I've heard hip-hop worship before. I'm kind of into it, you know. I've heard R&B kind of style of worship. But when we went, it was straight screamo metal worship. <laughs> Do you guys know what Screamo is? This is Screamo. God! Jesus! And I remember we got there and we're like, what did we get ourselves into, Daniel? And I remember I was just sitting there I'm like, I can't worship to this. It's so weird. It's so foreign. I can't worship to this. But I remember the Lord quickened my heart and he said, am I not worthy of your worship no matter where you are? Am I not worthy of your worship even when you don't? Dig the music or you can't sing along. I can't scream like a screamo person. But am I not worthy of your worship regardless of your circumstance? You know, Paul and Silas exhibited this the best. They were in a jail cell. Okay? They didn't have no guitar. They didn't have no piano. They didn't have a choir. And in fact, the prisoners were probably mean mugging them saying, I'm going to kill you. The guards were probably mocking them saying, where is your God now? This God that you're worshiping. But they chose in that moment to say, God, I worship you. I don't care if I'm in the deepest pit or the highest height of a mountain. I'm going to worship you. I choose to worship you. Extravagant worship begins with a choice. Will you make a choice to be an extravagant worshiper? Or are you going to wait? Are you going to wait for feelings to arise or affection to arise? Or are you going to make a decision, God, regardless? Even if I never feel anything for the rest of my life again, I'm going to worship you. You know, yesterday uh, we went to Muay Thai with Daniel Kim, and um, man, my body was beat into submission. (laughs) I never felt this before, and Muay Thai is pretty intense, and I remember leaving, and on the way home, I was was just driving, and then the Lord automatically spoke to me. He said, Mickey, when you get home, I want you to lavish me with extravagant worship. And you know, while I was driving, I did a little, like when the Holy Spirit came on me, I was like, oh, and Daniel was like, what was that? I was like, oh, the Lord just spoke. Well, I didn't say anything, but the Lord spoke to me. And I remember I got home, but I was so tired. Like, I was stinky from the mats and the gloves. I was all sweaty. I was bruised. I was, I was exhausted. And I said, God, I can't give you all of me right now. I'm nothing. I can't. I literally don't have the energy, and I smell. I'm, this is no pleasing fragrance of worship to you, God. I cannot do it. But I remember the Lord quickened my heart again and said, Mickey, am I not worthy of your worship right now? And so I just started worshiping. The Lord said, before you start your teaching or your your sermon prep on extravagant worship, you be an extravagant worshiper. You live it out. And I remember doing it, and God started filling me with revelation. You know, in your weakest moment, when you don't feel anything, when you're tired, will you make the choice to be an extravagant worshiper? Now, what does it cost to worship God extravagantly? Let's look at what this woman gave. She gave an alabaster jar with expensive perfume. People say it was close to 500 denarii. I don't know what that meant either, but it's close to a year's wages. I looked up 2012's annual average income, average annual income. 
this year in the United States alone, it was $50,000. Now, I don't make $50,000, but that's the average for the United States. This woman gave close to $50,000, a year's wages, and lavished it upon God. Here's another thing. The jar that she gave to God for perfume was meant to be saved for her to wipe it on her, on her uh, groom's feet on the day of her wedding. She didn't just give monetary value. She didn't just give a monetary sacrifice. She was giving up her status as an eligible bride. Amen. She was saying, I don't need no man. I'm a single lady. I got Jesus. <laughs> you know, some of us are waiting for a special someone, but she was saying, I don't need that man. This is the man that I need. And I'll give that up. What do you have trouble giving up? For me, I'm really excited to get married. If God told me, Mickey... You are not going to have a wife. I am to be your... Wait, you are to be my bride for the rest of your life. I would have trouble with that. What, what is it that you would feel is hard to give up for you in worship? This woman gave it all up. It says she cried enough tears to wash Jesus' feet. Tears came from such a deep place of conviction and love. So much so that she produced so much tears... And she was actually able to wash his feet. I'd imagine they're kind of dirty like hobbits' feet. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they're probably, they wore sandals back in the day. They're walking in sand and dust all day. Imagine how many tears it must have took to wash that feet. But it came from such a deep place that it came flowing out. And she produced enough tears to wash his feet. What else? This woman, she was on the floor kissing his feet. She was humiliated in the sight of society. She was on the floor kissing his feet. And then she took her hair after she wiped the perfume and she wiped the feet of Jesus. She was humiliated in the eyes of man. Here's a beautiful thing. Extravagance isn't measured in physical terms. Just because you have the physical ability to jump higher than me in worship doesn't mean your worship is more extravagant. And I'm sure many of you do have the physical ability jump higher than me because of physics but it's worship is not measured in physical terms i'm taken to the story of of the widow's offering in in luke chapter 21 it says as jesus looked up he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins said truly i tell you he said this poor widow has put in more than all the others all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, but in all that she had to live on. It doesn't matter what it looks like, how much it is, but are you giving all of your heart? Are you giving all that you have? Are you giving to a place where it's wasteful? You know, when I went to New Philadelphia in December um, 2010, these people didn't know me. I remember one night, they took me out to get Korean barbecue. Hallelujah. It was delicious. Right after we finished eating, he said, okay, let's go to the next place. Right after that, they took me to go get ice cream. So I was like, all right, this is turning into a good night. But here's the thing. After that, they took me out to go get soft frozen yogurts. And so at this point, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm really full. But then after that, they took me to a cafe to get baked goods and coffee. Yes. And here's the thing. After that, they took me out to get shaved ice and red bean and condensed milk. It's called popping soup. It's a Korean dessert. They took me out to get that. They took me out to five different spots that night. You know, at, at some point I was thinking, they're just fattening me up because they want to sacrifice me or something. But, <laughs> but no, they are extravagant in their nature. 
And they honored me and loved me so much that they went beyond the normal required thing. It could have been enough that they just took me out to dinner. But they went beyond. And then they went beyond again. And then they went beyond again. You know, this woman could have just brought a basin of water and just washed Jesus' feet. But she said no. Her question was, how, how much can I get to meet the bare minimum? But no, her, her question was, how much, can I, how much more can I give to you, Jesus? How much more can I go lower? How much lower can I humble myself? How much more can I pour upon you? That was the question. And you know, a lot of us come in here and we say, God, what do I have to do to just do enough? But the heart of an extravagant worshiper is always, God, how can I take it higher? How can I take it to the next level? How can I give you deeper praise? How can I give you deeper worship? You know, um, my mom, she, uh, so she, she spent a lot of her life smoking cigarettes. And um, so one thing about my mom, she loves singing, and she loves the Lord. But there was a period in her life where she just was addicted to cigarettes. And she smoked so much that it got to the point where she wasn't able to sing. Like, literally, if she tries to sing, this is what it sounds like. But she loves to sing. And I remember the Lord was doing a great work in her life a few years ago, and I was at home. And um, I walked into a room. I was going to ask my mom a question. And I saw her on the floor. And she was postured like this. And she was, she was singing. I didn't hear anything. It sounded like this. But she was singing. I saw that she was pouring extravagant worship upon Jesus. She was giving all that she had. That's what extravagant worship is. That's what extravagant worship means. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside, but are you giving all of your heart? Are you giving beyond what the requirement is? The foundation of extravagant worship is that he is worthy. But extravagant worship is fueled by love. Have you ever been in love? I had had an ex-girlfriend in college. I mean, I had a girlfriend in college. She's my ex-girlfriend now. But I had a girlfriend in college. I remember it wasn't anything to me to spend money on her. It wasn't anything to me to drive far distances to take her out. It wasn't anything to me. Time, resources, finances. It was nothing. Why? Because I was so in love with her. I said, I don't care. I mean, I'll drive to Los Angeles. I'll take you there. I'll take you home to wherever you are down in SoCal. I'll take you there. It doesn't matter to me because I love you. Our extravagant worship is fueled by our love for God, for Jesus. You know, slaves can't offer extravagant worship. As soon as obligation or duty comes into the picture, it ceases to be extravagant. Why? Because now we're trying to meet the bare minimum just to get by. But God, he longs for lovers. Lovers can give extravagant worship. Lovers can give extravagant worship to God because they go beyond the limits of what's required. You know, the degree to which we lavish God with love shows how much of his love we've received. You know, Pastor Benjamin last week, he spoke about the depths and the height and the width and the breadth of his love. He spoke about the deep dimensions of God's love. And you know, if we're ever to go to have mountaintop height experiences of his love where where the spirit's moving and we feel the emotions of God and we have a spiritual encounter that rocks our being every part of who we are we have to go deeper in his love too we have to go wider in his love we have to go broader in his love the truth is God he loved us first that's why we're able to love the truth is that God he lavishes love on his children 
He lavished his love on us. And God, he's poured out all of his love for us. The question is, are you constantly receiving it? You know, it's possible to love someone with all your heart and them not receive all of your love. You know, towards the end of my relationship, it started going a little rocky because we're on two different uh, planes of, of thinking and thought and view. I don't know what it was, but I felt like I was giving all of myself, all of my love. But she was only receiving a fraction of it because we're on two different planes. I was giving all of my love, but she was only able to receive a little bit. And I feel like that's with God sometimes, too. God, he's poured out all of his love. But a lot of times we haven't postured ourselves to continually get deeper revelations of his love. Listen, beloved, I want to spend my entire life getting deeper revelations of his love. I want to spend my entire life searching out and understanding the depths of God's love for me. His heart. That is my cry. And listen, when we, the deeper we drink of God's love, the greater our expression of love will be towards him. Listen, we can lavish God. We can be extravagant in our worship and love towards God because he's been extravagant in lavishing us with his love. Our worship is not so much a debt as it is a response to his love. We can never outlove God. Have you ever tried to outlove God? Say, God, I'm going to worship you so much that I'm going I'm to match your love for me. It's impossible to outlove God. But we can respond to his love. We can never meet the debt of love that he paid, but we could respond to the love that he's poured out on us. And it's through extravagant worship. So what happened after this woman uh, did all this and, and lavished his love on God? He said the Pharisees scoffed. said, ha! You know, I remember um, in youth group, I was going through this period where I was just so in love with God that I was, I was dancing kind of weird. I felt like David. Like, people were like, Dude, you dance really strangely and weirdly, but I was just so in love with God. And I remember one time during a retreat, a youth leader came to me and said, uh, Mickey, um, why don't you take it down a notch? <laughs> now, I was a, I was a kid, kind of hot-tempered. I was like, take it down a notch? This is my God that I'm worshiping. He deserves all of me. I don't care if I look like this while I'm dancing. He deserves it. He deserves it all. (laughs) I guess the question is, can't extravagance be distracting? I mean, if someone's up here and they're going crazy, can't it be distracting? Or here's what I have to say to that. You can only be distracted by extravagant worshipers when you decided to take your eyes off of Jesus and place them on man. Amen. Yes. I'll tell you what. Some of y'all probably dance funnier than I do. But you know what? If it's for God, you're giving all of yourself to God. You don't have to worry about people looking at you. If people look at you, they've simply taken their eyes off of God and placed them on man. All of our eyes should be on God. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, a lot of people have been misunderstood extravagantly worshiping David. I mean, this dude, he's out of control. Like, he danced. I mean, right now, there's extravagant worshipers out there in the world who are running across soccer fields naked with their team painted on their chest. They're running around naked. 
They're modern-day Davids out there. And people don't understand. David, in his time, he ran around dancing, undignified, naked. So much so that his wife even came up to him and said, What are you doing? You're making a fool of yourself. But to David, wasting his, his credibility, wasting his status, wasting how people perceived him, it didn't matter. It was a little thing in proportion to his worship of the king. It was worth it for him. But it doesn't mean people won't understand you. I feel like David would laugh at our worship. Some of us are insecure about lifting our hands. This guy, he got nude. He took it back to the Garden of Eden days. I'm not saying, I don't want to see people naked in here. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm saying, are you willing to take it to a height where you take it beyond the limits of comfort, beyond the limits of your convenience? What did, how did Jesus respond after all this happened? <laughs> Jesus rebuked them all. What this woman was doing was of the utmost importance to Jesus. Let me tell you why. Jesus wanted to share. He wanted people to get this one thing. He wanted people to know our greatest ministry. The greatest ministry that we could participate in is the ministry of worshiping Jesus. The greatest ministry that we could enter in is the ministry of ministering to Jesus. Jesus understood this. Jesus was saying, as great as it is to feed the poor or heal the sick or set the captives free, there's nothing greater than worshiping me. There's nothing greater than worshiping me. That's the greatest ministry. It says, after this, the house was filled with the fragrance of this woman's perfume. Let me tell you what extravagant worship releases. It releases the fragrance of the name of the Lord. Amen. Where there are extravagant worshipers, Jesus is there. Where there are extravagant worshipers, the presence of God is there. It says in the Bible, God inhabits the praises of his people. He establishes his throne where there is pure, extravagant worship. And let me tell you, beloved, when we come into a place of extravagantly worshiping God, God will establish his reign, his authority, his kingdom, his domain, his throne in that place. Listen, why, why, do we, why does this world need extravagant worshipers? Because this world is needing, it's dying for the presence of God. It's dying for the kingdom of God. And it's through the worshipers that God will release that. One of my favorite spiritual heroes is Heidi Baker. And she had a big heart to minister to orphans. But Jesus said, before you even do that, you go to the nation where you want to do this, where you want to start orphanages. And the first thing you do is you minister to my heart. You worship me. And so she went into, Mose she went into Africa and she went into a little village. She sat on a tree the first day she was there. And she just started worshiping Jesus. Started worshiping Jesus. Not caring who was around. Not caring who was hearing her, who was looking. But she just started worshiping Jesus. And you know what? Now she has one of the most successful orphanage chains in, in Africa. Amen. I mean, we went to visit them in September. There's such a great spirit of love there. But it started because her heart longed to minister to Jesus. Listen, when I get to the end of my life, I don't want people to say, Mickey saved a thousand people. Mickey set a thousand captives free. Mickey was a demon slayer. I don't want any of those things that I want people to say, Mickey was an extravagant lover and worshiper of God. Listen, when you get to the end of your life, 
I want your life. I want the body of Christ to be characterized as a bride that lavishes her groom, that lavishes waste, perfume, all that they have on the groom. Beloved, we as a church, we need to rise up as the extravagant worshipers God's called us to be. Listen, what my desire and Pastor Benjamin's desire is here in this place. We want it to be filled with extravagant worshipers. We want the presence of God to to be so thick and so evident in this place because extravagant worshipers are taking their place and establishing the throne of God. I want to hear people screaming at the top of their lungs. I want to see people jumping up and down, giving all that they had. Listen, at the end of worship, if you don't feel like you've given everything that you have, you are not giving God the worship that he is worthy of. At the end of every time I worship, I want to be able to say, God, I have nothing left. I gave it all to you. I gave everything that I am. And listen, that's where God's taking us right now. He's giving us the heart of this woman. He's giving us the spirit of an extravagant worshiper. I want everyone to rise to your feet. I love what Joseph said earlier. I went to New Philadelphia and I've never experienced worship like that. Why? Because I could not hear the praise team. And listen, the the numbers, they're a little slightly bigger than us right now. Just slightly. But I could not hear the worship team. Listen, I want us to get to a place. I don't care if you're quiet. I don't care if you don't like dancing. Listen, will you humiliate yourself? Will you give all that you are to worship God because he's worthy? I want us to get to a place where we out loud out, out sing, out dance the worship team. Listen, this is not the worship team's time up here to lead worship. It's our chance to worship God with all of our hearts. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. God, we pray that you would stir our hearts like you did this woman. We pray for greater revelations of your love. And we pray that we would see the beautiful man, Jesus. And Lord, when we see Jesus, we would cast all things aside. It doesn't matter what place, what circumstance, what's going on around us. But when we see Jesus, our natural inclination is to run towards him and extravagantly worship him. God, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the love that you lavished on us. And now we respond to your love and extravagant worship. God, I thank you. You don't care as much about extravagant worship as you do extravagant worshipers. Even if we don't sing, the rocks will cry out. But you long to see extravagant worshipers who are transformed into your image arise here in this earth. Right now, start. I want you guys to start to worship God. Right now, I want you to take your eyes off the person next to you. I want you to take your eyes off me. I want you to take your eyes off yourself and start lavishing God with a worship that he is worthy of. I want you to start worshiping God with all of your heart. Sing to him. Sing to him. Shout to him. Lavish him in beautiful words. I want you to worship right now. Take it to the highest height. Take it to the highest level. Give him all that you are. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you in this place. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Right now, I want to fill this altar. If you feel God is calling you to be an extravagant worship, come up forward. And I want you to worship. Fill this altar. Fill this altar with extravagant worshipers. Come on, right now. If you feel God's leading you and saying,
saying, I'm calling you to be an extravagant worship. Come forward, and we're going to start worshiping God.
love you, Jesus. We 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 love you, Jesus. That, that is the worship God is worthy of. That is the worship that God is deserving of. All of what we have. That is the worship that pleases God. God, we thank you for all these extravagant worshipers in the house, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for every extravagant worshiper here. And Lord, we thank you for your presence. We love you, Jesus. It's our honor. It's our joy. It's our privilege to love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Now listen, um, we're dismissed technically, but listen, I want you right now in your hearts, I want you to resolve, I'm not going to leave where I'm at until I feel like I've given everything to Jesus. And that, that doesn't mean I'm calling you to stay for hours. I mean, you could give everything you have in one second. But until you feel resolve in your heart that, God, I've given you what you are worthy of. I've given you all that I have. I don't want you to move from where you're at. So we're going to keep the music going. But if, you, if, you're, if you're done, if you feel like you have, you're welcome to go. But we're going to worship here until every single person has resolved in their hearts that I've given you everything, Jesus. Ba 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 